Welcome to Christie's Comedy Pod. I am in my parents' neighborhood. It's very quiet in this neighborhood and small. And I'm actually afraid to yell in my car. I yell at my phone to do this podcast. And I'm afraid to yell in my car because I don't know if uh, it's loud. I don't know if people in their homes can hear me yelling. Um... It's that quiet in my neighborhood. But who cares? So I'm away from my parents' house just so it's not my own parents who can hear me yelling things. Um, tonight I went on stage four times doing stand-up comedy. And one of the times, it was all in Atlanta, one of the times I was in a black room. A few podcasts ago I said that I just didn't want to do black rooms anymore because it's just not my audience. These are not people who want to hear my, like, concerns. Like, they don't... It's just not my audience. I was going off on a motivational thing about how, you know, you are not... You don't have to be for everyone. Well, I went into this black room, and it was so impressive. These comedians were so good it was terrifying it made me feel retarded um that I wasn't as good I was not able to express myself as freely and loosely and and everything they were so funny I was not able to be as good as them and and I was like wow I need to check myself there like I need to like go to way more of those like while I'm in Atlanta especially because there's so many good ones here um I just learned so much it was just so inspiring I followed this girl I'll, I'll I don't know I don't know her Instagram handle right now so I can't but she's the best ever We have a band in Texas. Uh, there's a band of mus- uh, like three musicians who um, they're tied up in the comedy community. They're friends with some of the famous comedians. So all of the other lower comedians uh, simp this band. Um. I like, like, one of the guys in the band is so cool to me. Like, he's, like, a good friend. Like, they're fun to hang out with. It's three dudes who are just constantly doing psychedelic drugs and stuff. Here's the thing about this band, though, is they play, they do their music, like, before and after certain comedy shows and stuff. And... Whenever they're playing, a lot of the lower comedians will go watch them. And they watch them for six months, every single day, playing the same songs over and over again. They watch. They're watching their male friends sexually. It's kind of a sexual band. They described themselves once to me as blood swamp orgy like swamp but I don't know 
It's like a little bit of a rock and roll, blood, swamp, orgy vibe. Very sexual kind of dancing, though, while they're singing and stuff. It's homoerotic, is what I'm trying to say, is there's a bunch of male comedians who are simping because they there's this connection between you know the the more famous comedians like this these band members so the lower comedians sit there and watch constantly like every single day they'll skip out on like comedy practice they'll skip out because the this band you know they're doing their jobs every night they go play music at some venue and they invite everyone they can, right? They're doing their job. And the comedians will skip out on real, on doing their job, on doing comedy. They'll be like, no, I'm going to go to this band's show. <laughs> and it's like for the 800th time, they're going again to see this band. And I see them, like, I'll get high and I'll, I'll watch them watching the band. It's homoerotic. You know, it's insane. One time I was so high, and I noted, I knew that everybody else was high, and I just I was like, these three guys in this band are kind of forced to sexually dance for two hours. Like, whether they want to or not, every night, they have to sexually dance and sexually sing for like two hours. They're like, uh, for like two hours. They have to do it. And they look down, I don't know if they, they look down at the audience and they see 20 of, like, our guy friends staring at them, like, just watching their crotches. And people are like, oh, no, but they're just supporting, they're, like, being supportive to their, you know, friends, their peers, and I'm like, yeah, they don't support, like, they don't do that with comedians, like, with other comedians. They don't support us, like, they'll watch other comedians' sets, but they, but they don't pretend, like, every time they see this band, they, like, film it and post it online. You know what I mean? They, like, they, like, tag pictures of themselves watching the band. It's the ultimate simpage. There's so much of that in... Austin, Texas. And there wasn't that much. When I was in New York City, there really wasn't that much of that. Of, like, fake. You know what I mean? Like, really... Not fake, but just, like, very kind of obvious maneuvering type of stuff. Like, there wasn't that much. It was like, oh, no, we're all hustling. We're all grinding. Like, that was New York City. We're all hustling. We're all grinding. You know, I'm gonna... It's, we're out, we're out here. It's very real in New York City. Um, in the South, it's super Southern, but you get to, you go West and you get to Austin, which is in the middle. I feel like Austin, it's a Western place. Like everyone has their Western cowboy stuff. It is not in the Bible Belt. They don't know any country songs. You play country music and they don't know it. It's, it's different. It's Western. And it has so many, there's so many people from L.A. in Austin, and and even just, yeah. Yeah, a lot of the people I'm thinking of right now are kind of from L.A., but there's just more of that 
LA Western West Coast maybe vibe of like um, social maneuvering. You know, we're not out here. We're not in the streets. We're not grinding. We're not hustling. But I am gonna like simp on you because I think that you're a great target for my simpage. Why am I a great tar- target for your simpage? Uh, because you're connected to the people that I want to be with. Oh. You're connected to opportunity. Oh. Love it. Um, I just learned a new way, like, there's a bunch of people who try to tell you that you can learn how to read books faster, learn how to read faster, and I've seen their strategies that they try to give of learning how to read faster. It's very difficult. They try to tell you to, um train yourself to take in four words at once with your with your eyesight it's insane reading faster but i've always been interested because i'm kind of i'm a slow reader um even when like i'm a slow reader because of my my add like i actually do i'll i'll read the whole page and then realize that i haven't been paying any attention so i have to constantly go back to when is the last time I was actually paying attention and then I read from there and sometimes I do it multiple times and that's like ADD I guess I wonder if it would be nice to know if everyone does that or if only people who think they have ADD do that maybe everyone does that um I remember it was in like fourth grade when that first started happening it was never happening to me I was always reading perfectly. And then I remember in fourth grade, um, I just started to like, yeah, that would start to happen where I'd be like, oh my God, I wasn't listening when I was reading this whole page. I like wasn't even paying attention. And that was like, it was scary. It's like suddenly having a learning disability. It was so scary. And I was asking people, I went to the counselor's office and she said that my grandparents dying might have been like a distraction or something. And I was like, I was like, yes, but no, because I'm not thinking about them. My mind is just zoning out. Um, my parents did not ever have me diagnosed with anything. They, um, even when I asked and um, said I needed help and stuff, they said I didn't need medicine and they didn't want to take me to doctor um which is exactly how you get a daughter who is the school's best Adderall dealer I was buying Adderall from the nerds at 50 cents per pop splitting them into four each and then selling those at two dollars per pop that's a lot of profit And people thought that $2 was too cheap. People kept saying, like, Christy, you're selling this for too cheap. And I was like, the profit is immense, bro. It's fine. I would rather be Walmart selling shit for too cheap at an immense profit than a boutique shop going out of business, fool. (laughs) I don't know, man. 
I would rather everybody think I'm the best and make all the money. So I'm the cheapest Adderall in the school. And I was selling it hard, you know, and that's, that's what happens when you don't diagnose your kid with what they said that they needed. So, or whatever, you know. But there is a, there is a new way. I, I heard a new strategy today for learning how to read faster. And I genuinely think this is going to work. I haven't done it yet. I think that this is going to work. Because it takes, I haven't done it yet because it takes uh, a few. So you have to have the book. You can probably have it, if you have it on your phone, you have to have the words to read. And then have the audio. So you have to have two different things. It's hard. But anyways, you have those two things. You can, um, you can set the audio at three times the speed. So set the audio at three times the speed. And maybe you can start it at two times the speed. I don't know how fast three times actually is. So set it at two times or whatever. And then you read it physically as the audio goes. And you're able to kind of keep up. So you're training yourself to even just keep up with the audio. You see? And then they were also saying to pace, maybe pace back and forth during it because the movement of your body keeps you going fast so somehow be able to move your body pacing to me seems distracting because you're like running into stuff you're like walking you know you're trying to hold the book and you're moving around but but I also know what that is you know pacing you feel like you're in a hurry and you're reading faster and and everything is more focused I wish I could easily try this, but yeah, you have to have the audio of the book and the book, which that's for rich people. <laughs> I can only steal one, one thing at a time or whatever, but I went hiking with my parents today for like three hours up a mountain and I was scared that it was going to be awkward. Like I, I was scared it was going to be um, too quiet there was going to be a lot of quiet moments and it would be too intimate out in the nature together and it was fine it was fine you keep things moving you look around you keep it chill I noticed my parents are actually so chill sometimes like and I'll probably be ranting about how they're driving me crazy in a couple podcasts um, during this holiday season, but the more I get into comedy, I'm like, I'm like two and a half years into like full-time, uh, being a comedian. And the more I get into it, the more I learn about it, the more I realize how funny my parents are. Like they have, they're funny. They like, they've been soaking up my mom has watched, like, all of, you know, Seinfeld and all of those things just hundreds of times. Like, and they, they reference it. They, you know, a lot of their um, awkward stuff is really just dry humor. And it's actually kind of funny when you, when you open yourself up to it. Um, 
they're being funny. Uh, my mom has this thing, she's like constantly being negative, like constantly worrying, oh, you're going out, you're gonna kill yourself out there. It, you know, really worried. Uh, but all of that seriousness, the deeper I get into comedy, the more I realize that that seriousness is extremely dry humor. You know what I mean? Um, it's really nice. I, I have a feeling that comedy um, is going to save my relationship with my parents. Save my, yeah. Like, I didn't know if, I, I wasn't sure if anything would save my ability to have a relationship with my parents. Like, a good one. And, yeah, like, two years ago I came home from New York City and I, and I came home and I missed them and I was trying to, like, see if I could have a relationship with them and I just, I was, like, crying. That was also when I was dealing with being at the rock bottom right before I started comedy, like, right when I was starting it. Um, uh, I was, like, really healing and I was broken and I was trying to have a good relationship with them. And it wasn't working. And I was crying so much. Like, oh my god. And I was like, okay, I give up. Like, I give up. We're just not going to be able to get along. You're, we're just not going to be able to be in each other's lives. And I would Google it. I would, like, do research for such a long time on the internet of, like, just, you know, all the things... Like, Google will say, like, it's hard, but you need to just cut them, off, uh, cut them off. Like, it's hard, but if your parents are draining you, if they're toxic, if, if, if they're unable to be positive people at all, um, if they don't respect the boundaries that you're giving and all this type of stuff, then they're, to you know, they're toxic, and you need to just cut them off. I know it's hard, but you need to just cut them off. And, dude, it was so fucking hard. I couldn't. There's really this, like, chemical connection you have where you need your parents to be happy. You need to think your parents are happy, at least. To think or to realize at all that your parents are not happy. Like, there's times when I get mad, you know, I, like, you know almost try to punish my mom or dad, like, get mad. Uh, and I, and I hope they're, I hope they're upset. Like, I hope I'm mad, right? But, dude, it, it does not last. Like, 20 minutes later, dude, 20 minutes later, I think about, like, oh, my God, is my mom or dad sad right now? Like, 20 minutes, I cannot stay mad at them or whatever. 20 minutes later, I'm like, I just envision my mom or dad being sad. And I'm like, no fucking way. That's not cool. And I like quickly kind of apologize or whatever. Like, I quickly am just like, oh my God. Um, no. They cannot be sad. So they've had a lot of control over me in my life. Like, they've been able to manipulate um, 
me with their emotions like oh look you're upsetting us you know you're you're worrying us sick like that kind of thing and i'm like no please uh but as i get deeper and deeper into like learning everything about com comedy uh I think that's what's going to save us is like that I realize so much of their uh so much of who they are is just this like dry humor and they're actually like being funny and I just need to open myself up to that and like um participate in that you know they weren't born yesterday like, they watched the Austin Powers movies, which are funny, by the way. They watched those, like, 50 times. They, they've just seen, you know, they saw all of the SNL. Like, these old people out there have seen all of this stuff. You know what I mean? Like, my uncle, I have an uncle who... A liberal could easily just label him as a completely retarded conservative 80 year old guy just so conservative you know like just so um just lost um not lost but like a, a lost hope what is it called he's he's out you know but he actually watches i remember is it red fox it's like some comedian he watches a lot of comedy and he actually has a good like i opened myself up to his like humor it's weird when you you have a kind of serious relationship with someone for so long and you that causes a lack of respect like suddenly you open yourself up to their humor and you like allow yourself to appreciate their little attempts at humor, their little references and their little, and like kind of participate in their humor. And suddenly your connection, your bond grows so much. You just open up to each other so much and you respect them. Like I opened up to like his little humor and suddenly we were vibing, you know what I mean? Um, we respected each other. And for our whole lives, it was always kind of just this serious uncle and niece, like, relationship. He's extremely religious, and he's extremely, you know, Republican, and I'm, you know, pretending to agree, like, but it's like a... Uh, and now suddenly we were vibing just because I was suddenly able to appreciate his humor. I don't know. That's also just me being a slow dumbass that, like, these little steps take me so long to, like, realize. Like, oh, appreciate the other person's humor. Got it. Um, so here's a premise that I was trying out, and I don't think it's good yet. Um... At the end of a date, I say, I'm going to go slip into something more comfortable. 
and that is my empty bed <laughs> yeah I dress so comfortably I make other people feel uncomfortable I think that's true I wear sweatpants so often which is a problem because butts are like water in that they take the shape of their container if you wear sweatpants your butt becomes uh, a sweatpant like I I don't have I don't have all the answers okay I'm working on this this is not that there's something there but like that was stupid the Kardashians have become so successful because of their transparency they've been so transparent that they actually ended up with a transparent okay that joke seems like all uh, so obvious to me like other people you know other people might have it like maybe it's it's just a meme already or something like maybe everyone's already heard that but every time I've said it so far the room seems surprised and impressed so I don't know I'm always like embarrassed after I tell it because I'm like yeah you probably heard that one before and then everyone's like, no, wow, that's amazing. So, I, I don't know. Hey, panel, look at me. Let's see. So, last night, I was uh, doing comedy. <laughs> and everyone that was going up onto the stage and performing had kind of like this, a little bit of a negative air like they would constantly like if they if their joke didn't go well or something they'd be like yeah you know this room sucks i wish i wasn't here like <laughs> it's just like a miserable air and it was for so long that i started to kind of sink into it a little i was like jesus hopefully i can be funny oh god here i go i'm gonna be on stage soon hopefully i can survive this it was just a miserable air. Uh, and nobody was doing very well. Be you know, it just, I can't believe the audience was staying. And then right before me, this guy goes up. And he was so happy. And he was like, I'm so happy to be here. That he started off by saying that. I'm so happy to be here. And he was genuine. And it, it wasn't like all the hipster people who were like, Hey, I'm happy to be here. Like, it's this insincere... Hey, I'm happy to be here. Uh, like, this insincere... No, this guy was genuinely happy. He was like, I'm fucking happy to be here, you know? And he told his... He told his little jokes in such a joyful... He was, like, excited. He was happy. He loved it. He was like, let me tell you this one. Uh... And he would laugh a lot while, you know, uh, at his own jokes. He would tell it and be like, <laughs> like just enjoying his own jokes and kind of enjoying. Dude, he made this great uh, vibe, you know, vibe in the room. Everyone was smiling. And he was just interacting, just all love, you know, around. And 
I chose to fucking be inspired by that. I was like, this is great. I wonder if I can do this too. I wonder if I can go up now and be positive and stuff. So I went up right after him. And I was like, I'm so happy to be here. I said it in a genuine way in my own kind of voice. Like, you know, I'm really happy to be here, you know. And then I actually mentioned, like, that guy before me was amazing, right, you know? And my whole time that I was doing my jokes, I was, like, actually intentionally, like, enjoying them. And kind of laughing, and, like, there was so much really interaction with the audience. Like, there was so much smiling and love going back and forth with me. In the Like, it was a great set. And it was all, like, I had my jokes... But everything else was based on the guy right before me, inspiring me to just be positive, like, you know, be positive. It, it, that's so little. It's just like, imagine at a, at a corporate meeting, you know, whatever, your business, your office meeting, and everyone's kind of like a little bit, you know, they're, they're pretending to be civil, but, you know, they're a little bit tired. They don't want to really be there. You know, they're, hey, hey, good morning, like, and then for you to start talking and do your part, and you actually say, like, I'm happy to be working here with you guys, like, I'm happy to be here, and you're genuine, you say that, you, like, say things, po like, it's just so, like, wherever you have that, wherever you have that, where people are being miserable, because it's not just, you know, when you're saying hi to someone, like, no, but, um, whenever a bunch of people are being miserable, man, you can really change it up. And so I, I, I tried it again all today. Like, every time I was, like, a little bit, you know, not feeling it, I, I remembered that guy. I was like, no, I need to be happy to be there. And, like, I need to be happy, like, you know, don't complain that don't don't make it seem like you know bad no and it was great like it saved me today too hardcore i stayed present with people instead of being like ugh i'm tired i don't want to you know if you don't want to be there you're not going to be very present cuz you're like away from there as much as you possibly can be you're mentally somewhere else you don't want to be there so you got to be present. And, Hi, I'm here. I'm here with you and I'm so fucking happy about that. Dude, I got off stage last night <clears throat> and immediately got booked on two shows. Like the immediateness of that like is very rare. Like you you know, people immediately were like, "Let me get you on my show." Like because they they liked what I brought. They liked that happiness, you know what I mean? Like, oh. So Hitler was a caffeine-free vegan and a dog lover. Talk about a supreme supremist. <laughs>
No, Hitler had a lot of confidence. And that's what girls look for, dude, in a man is is confidence. We don't say that, but that's what it is. Like, most girls, if Hitler was kind of around today, like, and he DM'd on Instagram most girls, they would get a little excited. Like, if he DM'd, hey, I think you're cute. They would be like, they'd think about it for a day. But they'd reply. They'd be like, so, hi, are you in town? Like, they'd reply to Hitler. Because it's, the, it's he's confident. He had some flaws, like, uh, he was a little over, chubby, he's like a little overweight, and he has a silly mustache. I don't know if he has any other flaws. No. <laughs> uh, there's not really any other, he was fine other than that, but, um, <laughs> but what like what's the rest of that fucking joke it's just that there's a lot of confidence I don't know I don't what are we doing okay whatever like yeah in Atlanta you have to pay for parking everywhere Atlanta's a very bougie place. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Because it's like, for what? Who are you guys? Like, dude, Atlanta, it's a, it's a, where, this is stupid. Why are you being so bougie? This is not New York. I, I'm sorry. I don't know what to say. Like, I ate a Philly cheese sandwich tonight for $17. A $17 Philly cheese sandwich. Philadelphia doesn't sell that. And it was it was trash too it was jail food it was trash um $17 dude I remember they, they, they sold chicken tenders or chicken fingers for $13 at this place that's a lot of money <laughs> the, paying for parking it's, it's just so much I had to pay $2 just to do comedy at one place. They made me pay $2 to go inside. Um, like, if you want a Philly cheesesteak in New York City, it's going to cost you between $7 and $10. Philly cheesesteak sandwich. Well, okay, let me... Between $7 and $13. It's not going to cost you $17. That's the thing about Atlanta. Like, that's the thing. It's just like, what are you talking about? $17 is just so corrupt. They're just trying to feel themselves so... Like, ooh, this is a nice... This is fancy. This is fancy. No, it is... No. Stop. Okay. So... Have patience for the great things. The great things, like, I was saying that when you try for something, when you actually get up and try for something, it kind of comes together, like, you really get far at first. Like, it really comes together because, uh, 
yeah, just putting effort into something, like, things get come together, you know, you find, you find pathways really, really quickly, I hope that made sense, I'm just trying to speed through that part, um, but also things fall apart, like, things are actually really hard, too, with, with your big goals, have patience for the great things, the great things are gonna test you to see if that you really want them, the universe tests you, like, nah, 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 not everyone can get this, do you really want it? When something's great, and I was, like, giving the example of a girl, like, a girl that you want to date, the best girl ever, that you realize, oh my god, you have to sacrifice, you have to say, no, I'm, I'm okay, like, this is the greatest girl ever, I'm okay with, like, not hooking up with anybody else and I'm okay with building this relationship with her and not even hooking up with her like that she she won't even like she she wants to be all like uh wholesome she doesn't want to put out until she really feels close to me and that's okay that sacrifice That's the universe, like, the, you have to have patience for the great things. You know, when I have, like, a big goal and stuff, we used to have, like, a, at, at this company where we made huge goals and we would fucking really push it to the limit and stuff. We did this thing where we would go, okay, in the next two weeks, I want to sell $15,000 worth of, uh, the product and that's like a lot that's like a crazy goal um so so I need to be able you know I need to be selling like I don't know a thousand dollars a day of it right whatever so we do all of this math like you'd you'd take your goal and we do so much fucking math of like how many calls do I need to make like just every fucking piece of math of, like, my averages, of, like, for every 10 calls I make, one person answers. For every 10 per person who answers, one person says yes to an appointment. For every 10 appointments I do, you know, five people buy it. And what's my average order? Um, my average order is, like, $200. So let, you do all these math equations to figure out how many calls you have to make and just all these types of math. It was amazing. I love that. <laughs> And one of the things that we did is, so we have, you know, 14, 14 days, right? And there was the, the law of uh, three, what? The, the, the law of the thirds, the thirds, that one third of the days, and they would, they would give you a chart so you could check off the days as they happen. One third of the day, days would be called a normal normal days one third of the days would be called el succo days i didn't make it up okay i didn't make up that word but they were called el succo days and those are the days where every it's a disaster the worst day ever and then a third of the days are magic and this law i was with this company for years this law was true because we did these like two week pushes we did these like two-week things a lot and this law was true that 
a third of the days are normal where you're like, yeah, you know, I did, this was fun, you know, we did it. A third of the days are awful, and that's when you go to the chart and you fucking check off. You have, like, uh, five or something El Succo days. I don't know. Five? Whatever. Five El Succo days. So you check off, okay, I, I finished one of them. And that checking that off and knowing, just knowing that you have to push forward, when you push past that, you always get a magic day. You get exactly, like, five or whatever magic days. You do. It's like a law. And in the magic days, those are the days where suddenly everybody just fucking says yes. Just, you know, suddenly a huge order goes through. Suddenly, you know, whatever. You get a big new list of leads. Whatever. And it's true. All of the all of the problems that you get you that you collected on an El Seco day just disappear on a magic day. They just all get solved. But you cannot, dude, part of the rule of the thirds is that if you give up on an El Seco day, if you allow that to cut you up and to to not let you, you know, wake up and come back the next day and stuff, then you will not see a magic day. You know what I mean? Why do I say, when I say you know what I mean, I'm just filling time. It's a filler word. It's so embarrassing. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I try to sound smart. Magic. Yeah. On your El Soco days, the universe is literally just trying to test you. Sometimes, like... I garnered, like, this almost faith in, in God and stuff like that. I think it's fun to... I think it's fun to play around with all the types of things. And I, I get... I understand what faith is, you know, like, whatever. God. Religion. And sometimes when I'm, you know, when it rains, it pours. Sometimes when I'm basically having an El Succo day, sometimes I kind of laugh and I, like, almost talked to God. Talk to God. And I'm like... I see, like, I see what you're doing, but, uh, let me show you how I don't let this freak me out. I'm gonna stay calm, you know, like, five things will be blasting at me, five, like, problems will be blasting at me one day, and I'll just, and it'll start raining, like, it'll just, and my tire will go flat, like, just so many, and I'll just kind of start laughing, and I'm like, hey, hey, God, you know, guess what? I know what you're doing. Like, I'm going to keep it cool. We got this. I'm going to push through. I'm going to solve each of these issues. I'm going to push through. And bitch, if there ain't a rainbow at the other end. There is a rainbow at the other end. Every fucking time, dude. You push through. And it's literally funny sometimes the way that it's like a... You know, God is like, uh, or the universe is like, all right, yeah, that was, good job, good job, you know? <sighs> Damn, I had to, I was saying yesterday that I ran out of money. <laughs> I ran out of money and I like, I've been getting money from this guy, I, I just 
he's supposed to give me $500 a week, but it's like I have to ask him and we aren't seeing each other this month at all because of the holidays. So it's like a little bit tough for me to just say, hey, could I have $500? Um, I've detailed the relationship in other episodes, but so I just asked him today, I was like, Hey, I'm getting my car fixed and all this stuff. So, which was a lie. I, I wasn't, I, I have to, but I, I don't have the money to do it without him. So I was like saying that. And I said, if you want to help, that'd be great. Like, but you don't have to, I don't know. And he didn't respond all day. It was fucking stressful. So then at night, I, like, did a apology. I was like, oh, my God, you know, I hate, I hate having, I hated asking that. And now I might have made you upset. Like, holy, sh you know, I'm so sorry. I understand, like, whatever. And he's like, oh, I didn't see your thing. Don't be sorry. Like, how much is the car thing? Like, so, you know, and I told him the price. I was like... $587 like which is just like I don't know give me let help me out dude it's the holidays like let me survive the damn holidays right now and um he didn't respond after that I think maybe he was asleep but uh cause he goes to sleep early but I don't know um why, why there's like nothing funny about that what the fuck did i say like tell you i guess that was an update that was an update like there's no fucking punchline to that at all that's just an update i'm a little bit stressed out like like i tried to put some gas in my car and it stopped at four dollars and 87 cents it stopped because i don't have any money like hardcore um it's fine like i can uh I don't know it's fine like I'll I'll just find someone else so basically it's like a sugar daddy relationship um he's actually a really attractive and amazing guy so I've been like actually keeping him and I was like this is great like he's he's good enough this is great um but if he's unable to like give me money during the fucking holidays like if, if he can't do that, then it, like, I have to just move on to someone else. Like, you're paying me for my, like, loyalty, like, at a certain point. Like, if you can't help me out and you're a millionaire, like, if you can't help me out and I'm out here with, like, literally on the side of the road with no gas, sorry, I have to move on to the next guy. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to fucking go back to doing Grubhub, like, you know, food delivery all of this stuff, like, it wastes time, you know, when there's plenty of millionaires who don't know what, they don't know what to do with their money, and, uh, and I'm somebody that they are so willing to give it to, like, they want to support the arts, <laughs> bitch, I, if I am not an artist, I performed four times today, <laughs> okay, and I make them laugh, okay, Yeah, I forgot to tell you the rest of the, like, universe is testing you thing. Like, I had actually had more points to it. The, the next point of it was, um, write down how far you've come. Dude, oh my god. When I hit, like, rock bottom, 
at Tesla. I was working at Tesla right before I quit everything. I was only working at Tesla so I could get my sustainability knowledge up to par so that I could go back to the United Nations um, into the sustainability uh, areas. So I was just working at Tesla. Like Sometimes you have to leave the UN to garner experience so that you can move up at the UN. You can't move up vertically at the UN sometimes. So so that's what I was doing and I was at Tesla and I was just like losing it. <clears throat> Anyways, I hit rock bottom, right? And that's what made me quit and become a fucking comedian. Quit everything. So I didn't even know what I was going to do. I was like fucking at zero. And one of my ex best friends had become a life coach. <laughs> And she was running a retreat in Bali. And I just wanted to go to Bali. I was like, I had money back then. I was like, oh, I'll support your retreat if I can just go to Bali. Like, I'll do the, I'll pay the thing. I just want to see you. I want to be with you. I want to be with a friend and go to Bali, Indonesia. Like, it's beautiful. And, like, just relax. So I go there and uh, I'm her only customer. So she, so she does this one-on-one -on -one retreat with me for a week. And I had no idea what it was. Like, I was pretending to be okay to her. Like, I came there and I was like, yo, what's up? Like, I was pretending to be fine. The retreat was literally designed by fucking God. Because I was actually at rock bottom and I, I was so... Her retreat was just like, oh, do you want to, you know, do you want to start a new path? Like, do you want to start something new? And like, by the second day, I admitted to this, to the far off dream of being a comedian, like instead of working at the UN and do it like by the second day, we, we went through so deep and hard by the second day. I was like, I've even thought about like, what if? This is so delusional. This is so crazy. But, like, what if I was a comedian? I could work really hard at it. Like, you know, I've been studying some of the people. Like, apparently if you work really hard for 10 years, like, it can kind of work. Like, and she's like, okay. And she took me fucking deep, dude. She had so much curriculum. So much on that. <clears throat> Four days after I admitted it to her, by, by the last day, we had so much written out. But by the last day, I was going to go home and basically quit and start becoming a comedian by the, by the last day. By the last day, we had every fucking hour of the day for my next year and kind of next 10 years, but like for my next year, we had every hour of the day planned out. So it was this far-off delusional dream that I was embarrassed to even mention. And this girl uh, took it and, and, and made it an actual plan where I was, like, confident. I was like, oh, no, I'm going to actually go do this. And that, like, that sounds kind of normal. Like, oh, yeah, that's how things work. But that was, that was far out, man. That was far, like... Um, one of the things that 
was so great was this little exercise that we did where I wrote the top seven or something, the top seven times that um, I've felt like I've achieved something huge personally. And um, and there was like extra like she was like, now put it in a timeline. So so then you like order it from when you were uh, young. And I actually have this still. I need to go find it because it's this was one of the most magical exercises I've ever exercises I've ever done. You, I wrote this top seven times that I felt like the most achievement in my life or something. I don't know. And then put it in a timeline. And then she's like, now write what that achievement taught you about your life in the world or something like that. And I remember each one and it was in this timeline suddenly. It was so fucking powerful, dude. Each one. And she had me at one point, she had me act out uh like with like uh hand motions and positions in the room like act out how i felt at each of the seven positions it was insane dude how much stuff we did but for each one um oh what was i gonna say i would just say like oh yeah for, for each one in my life it made me f always feel like the world wasn't as intimidating every single achievement i'd be like oh he, you know here's this big intimidating situation and i would overcome it and on the other side i would be like oh you know i'm not you know the world isn't all smarter than me because i i've always entered everything thinking that everyone else is so much smarter than me and i'm just this like little baby and I need to listen to everybody else. And by the end, I realize that I'm the smartest or something. It's like a weird, that's a narcissistic thing to say. But it's like, by the end, I always beat everyone. And I'm like, oh, fuck. All along, they were a bunch of retarded people. All along. All along, I was scared of these people. And they were trying to bully me and this and that. And in the end, I come out on top. And I leave and I move on. I don't know, whatever. But like, each one, I'd be like, oh, I thought that, uh, I thought the United Nations was going to be, you know, this and that. But I, I ran, I, I ran through that bitch like a whore. I don't know. Sorry, that wasn't. I thought the United, you know, I thought, you know, whatever, like, college, like, who... I don't remember. But if you can... If you... If this is... Has any clear... Like, if there's any clarity on this at all... And you can try to duplicate it right now... Try to do that. Write down how far you've come. Because you've come far. Like, oh yeah, I... I was so scared, you know, entering middle school. And I left... Being friends with everybody... Having all A's, being cute as hell. Um, you know, when you walk out as an eighth grader, you walk out and you just like, you realize how large it looked when you first walked in as a sixth grader. 
and you're like damn this this place ain't nothing and then you do that I, I remember walking out of my high school on the last day I like I like you know ran in turned in some shit walked back out in the middle of the fucking day I didn't give a fuck about it anymore I was like bye uh, I had the highest grades in all of my classes. Um, I was the hottest sh shit on earth. Who gives a fuck? Okay. Um, and I was walking out like, who cares? This is great. Like, I'm amazing. You know, I won. All of my grades, all of my grades in my, uh, <laughs> I'm bragging. All of my grades were above 100. Which I hadn't known until senior year. I hadn't known that you could even do that. Um, I got a five on both my AP exams. Senior year. I had never even taken a AP classes yet. Because I didn't. None of them were interesting to me. Senior year you had psychology and stat statistics. Which were actually interesting to me. Um, and the AP exams they like. They hyped them up to be so hard, and I went through. I went through, and I fucking took them, and I got a five, which is the highest score. Like, I got my face on the the five club bulletin board forever, and I was like, "Bye, like <laughs> idiots." And most every single student in that school and a couple teachers had called me retarded. You know, they had called me a retarded whore <laughs> constantly, which is why I can say the, the R word, but, um, just all these instances of like, oh, and I still wake up every morning being like, oh my God, everyone in the world is smarter than me. I really do. I think that everyone is so perfect and that I'm a bad person. I'm bad. And I have to constantly remind myself that, like, no, dude, I'm, like, like, I have to remind, it's not narcissism, because I have to remind myself, like, no, I'm actually probably better, like, I think you're, you're probably actually better than them. You know, some slob, some absolute out-of-shape slob who failed is like judging me and I, and I'm supposed to, and I, and I actually believe them. I'm like, no, yeah, they're better than me. It's like better at what? They can't even eat right. Like they can't even floss their teeth. They couldn't even do school. They couldn't do shit. Better at what? I don't know. Write down how far you've come. That shit will really get you. And don't say like, I remember we'd write our achievements down sometimes at my business and it wasn't as as deep as the, the girls and I'm gonna I'm gonna get that activity and like share it with you guys like with actual detail because that's a that was a magical activity but I remember we'd write our achievements and like a lot of people would be like my greatest achievement is my son you know they'd say some bullshit and it's like okay but that's trash I mean at the very least you could be like I raised, you know, my son in this way at a particular point. Like, I know that I did a good job. Like, I don't know. My son? Oh, yeah. E evolution worked? You fucked another animal? Like, 
Great. Good job. Oh, you fucked another animal and an animal came out? Oh, good job. You, you're a genius. I don't know. So, now that I've said all that weird shit, um, it's the other point is, like, only compare yourself to you. I love healthy competition. I love comparing myself to other people and trying to win. Um, so it's hard for me. Like, I'll compare myself to people all the time. <laughs> but usually it's in a positive way. Like, if I see a girl or something who's doing better than me or something, like, I want to compete with her, I don't wish that she does worse. That's unhealthy competition where you're like, you try to fuck them up or, you know, you try to be like, hey, you, you know, bring them down. No, because now you're not competing with somebody that's doing well. You know, uh, I, I like to look for people who if I can beat them, then I'm really great. And so you do well and I do well. And if we can if we can agree to compete, then both of us are going to be hustling so hard that's what real healthy competition is like two really good people competing and both of them are waking up earlier in the morning and like working harder and trying to do better and better and both of them end up doing way better because they're trying to beat each other and it's like a positive thing they're like high-fiving they're like i'm gonna fucking beat you no i'm gonna beat you like that's healthy competition that's where you get faster and you get stronger a lot of people don't know about that like they hear the word competition and they're like, oh, you're trying to fuck me up. Like, dude, if you want to be the prettiest girl in the world and there's a girl that's like maybe prettier, who knows yet. And, and you j just want to be the prettiest girl in the world. The strategy of burning her face isn't going to work because now you're prettier than a burn victim. That's not that doesn't say anything about you other than that you burn someone's face that doesn't say anything about how you're you're not any prettier now somebody else can come get you what are you going to burn their face to somebody else is going to be better than you but if you have another girl that might be prettier than you and you want to be the prettiest in the world you can work at yourself trying to beat them you know whatever but they have to stay extremely pretty. Like They have to stay there so that if you do beat them, if everyone's like, you're prettier. Like if you do beat them, now, you, now you're hella pretty. That's for sure. That says a lot about you if you beat them. So comparing, <laughs> that was actually saying that it's fun to compare yourself to other people. I, so it's hard, like, but... Also, I, I would say that also compare yourself to you because other people, sometimes they're, they're insane and, and they, other people have such a different life thing going on. And like other people have like a whole nother family and like different financial, um, situations. Like other people have so much other shit going on. Like how many of their, you know, how many friends do they have like contacting them from high school? Like what's going on with these people like they're very different from you 
if you're comparing yourself to somebody else, like, it's so, such a messy measurement sometimes because maybe you suddenly are winning because their mom died. Like, and you don't even know. You know what I mean? Like, I that sounds... I don't know. Like, sometimes I feel like I'm sound confusing. But, um... The most controlled measurement is being able to say, like, I know myself. I know what I'm going through. And I'm doing better today than, than yesterday. You know? Comparing yourself to you. Okay. I'm going to leave you with that. Thank you so much. Have a good night. Bye.